ready to grow your business by building relationships online and offline? Are you looking for a system to attract new prospects and nurture your past clients? Maybe you're a business owner, a sales professional, or an entrepreneur. If you are, then great. Join me, Janice Porter, as we blast past your barriers to success and explore the power of relationships for your business. And welcome to the Relationships Rule Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Relationships Rule Podcast. This is our first podcast in 2020, believe it or not. I'm, I can't believe where the time goes myself. So Happy New Year to everybody, and thank you for joining me again today. And thank you for your support as we spread the word about the importance of building relationships in business and life and showing people that we care. And to that end, please go over to my, web, to my website at JanicePorter.com for a free gift. You can download my ebook, Seven Step Formula to Create, um, to create uh, Business Relationships That Last and um, Stay Connected and Be Remembered. Today, I'm very excited to have as my guest, Dan McPherson. Uh, Dan and I met through uh, a mutual friend, and he's on the other side of uh, the continent to to me in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Dan is an international speaker, podcast uh, fellow podcast host, business and personal development coach, and the CEO of Leaders Must Lead. And I'm going to just say at this point, welcome Dan to the podcast. Happy Aww. to have you here today. Thank you very much, Janice. I'm happy to be here. I love to talk about people and relationships. I believe that people matter most and relationships are foundational to everything. So I'm excited to share. Thank you. Um, I'm going to also add that Dan is on a mission to help creatives and entrepreneurs create and grow profit and understand that dreams are real. And I think dreams are real is the name of your pod. No. Uh, dare yes, to it is. Oh, Dreams Are Real, that's correct, is the name of your podcast, and also a Facebook group that is growing uh, exponentially, I think. So I have to just share that when you and I, when Dan and I first spoke um, in November, December uh, of last year, our first conversation ended up being way longer than I'd expected because we both love to talk, but we also found it, I found it really easy to talk to you. And more importantly, what I remember the most about that conversation is that you were um, very perceptive and very uh, intuitive about me when we spoke because you, you actually, you brought some things up that, that, um, that hit home with me about me. And so from that perspective, I thought a couple of things that in, in when I was going to be interviewing you for this podcast, one that you must make a really good coach. And well, thank two, you. <laughs> and two, that there aren't many people that I, that I identify with the same way because I can do that with people. I can, um, in five minutes have someone's life story and know a lot about them because of the way I can get to the heart of who they are. And you did that so well with me. I was like floored. So where does that gift come from? <laughs> I, I would love to tell you that I know and that I have a deep origin story for that gift. I, uh, I don't really. What I, I would say is, is this, that 
I, I am passionate, as I mentioned a moment ago, that people matter most. That early in my life, I've, I've always been analytical and I've been in crazy situations throughout my life, but I, I would absorb. And my biggest gift in business is synthesis, the ability to see from a hundred different places, pull a little bit from each one and pull it together into something that is better than any of the others, no matter how good they were. And I, I think my best guess is that that skill of being able to connect with people comes from two things. It comes from that, that, that ability to synthesize, and it comes from thousands and thousands of repetitions. Early in my career, I was in straight commission in-home sales, going out to people's homes and connecting with them, and an hour and a half later, asking them for eight, nine, ten thousand $10,000. And I learned a lot about people in that process and I, I learned how to sell and teach people to sell later on very differently than how most people approached it. And in that, seeing those thousands of reps, seeing those people synthesizing that, I think I started to be able to string the dots together. So back then when you were selling, what were you selling? <laughs> when I started selling for for real, I suppose, the, the straight commission selling, I was selling home improvements, kitchens, windows, bathrooms, okay. things like that. I'd done some sales before that, but okay. that was the so, big one. So, and selling then is very different to selling now in the sense that I think selling, I mean, sales is sales, but it's more now not transactional, but more relationship building, right? And building trust before people will buy or, or, and the fact that they already do their homework on the internet before they even talk to anybody makes it different as well. I think. Yeah. I, I, in my experience, sales, the principles are the same. And I think this is maybe what you're saying mm -hmm. that the principles are the same, the principles that are true everywhere. Mm -hmm. And then there are practicals that are different maybe in the environment. But fundamentally, I would say sales, what really works, not just what works as a fad, but what really works and, and how to really help people, how to really fan the flame of, and figure out what they need that they may not even really realize that they don't have knowledge in or, or don't understand that they need, that's been exactly the same. So in my case, the way that I sell, the way that I persuade, while I've gotten better at it, it is very similar to what it was 20 and 25 years ago. However, the way that the majority of the world sells and connects is pretty different than it was 20 years ago. Well, yes, I would agree for sure. So um, I'm, I'm going to go completely in left field because out in left field, because I'm going to ask you this question. Um, I was uh, going through my uh, inbox this morning and there was a message or there was an um, a newsletter there from one of the sort of key sales trainers that I that I subscribe to and he's quite a character an old school kind of guy too and he um, he had a question in there that I thought oh my god that's a fun question to ask people today and I'm gonna ask it to you just out of nowhere all right so, so first of all when you're driving in your car if you're not listening to somebody's podcast or if you're not listening to um, some, uh, you know, personal development training, if you're listening to music, because I know you're a music guy too, when you're driving around in a car, do you listen to the music that you grew up with or do you listen to today's music? I have a two-part answer to that question. <laughs> if I'm listening 
just purely for fun, it's usually when it's in the background when I'm working. And that would be music that I grew up with. So 80s and 90s hair bands, things like that. <laughs> okay. If I am listening to connect, to learn, to grow, to do things like that in the music world, I am commonly listening to music of my clients or those that my clients work with because I work with creatives and I work with people in the music industry, music practice space, music business managers, and I also work with musicians. And see, I knew that. So I thought it would be a fun question to ask you. Um, but I think I'm going to ask that of different people because I think there's a fact, I think there's a, a fact there. I think that um, I, I, I noticed when my daughter was here over Christmas uh, she was talking about something and oldies and music and whatever. And of course, the perspective is always <laughs> years and what that music was, right? So Yeah, I, I saw a post earlier this week that reminded me that when I was in high school is as long ago as what I thought was really old when I was in high school. So that was, uh, that was educational and it was referenced from a music perspective. So I said, look, I'm listening to Bon Jovi and Poison and, and Guns N' Roses and things like that. And somebody looked at me and said, who? who? <laughs> yeah, I'm not even going to touch that because I'm before that, so I'm not. Going there. And um, I grew up. On, I grew up on all that. Interestingly, I, I think I, I think it'll be a good question for you to ask because I my friends are all over the spectrum in that, and mm -hmm. I, I think it'll. I would I, I would guess without having asked anyone, but I would guess that it will differ based upon what their current career is. Do you think so? I do. I think a lot of people listen to stuff from when they from when they grew up, but people who are in more creative careers, in mm -hmm. my experience, tend to listen to a lot more current music. Yes, that's a very good point. That's a very good point. Although that also might be um, not necessarily that their career is music oriented, but because that's another thing about my daughter. She's in like a very boring segment of business. But music is really important to her. Right. She will know the spectrum. Like she'll know yep. the newest person that's out there. And what do you mean, mom? You haven't heard that yet. My wife is the same way. My wife listens to all different music, music types, music, uh, not just genres, but the, the decades, take your pick. Yeah, she was listening to Russian techno a couple of years ago. Like what, whatever, the, whatever the range is, she is probably listening to it. And I'd be scared if I actually went and looked into her iTunes account to see how many songs were there. Interesting. Um, so thank you for going with me on that digression. Um, talk to me a little bit about the fact, okay, you, how long have you been, um, doing your own thing in terms of uh, coaching people and finding, helping them find their North star and leaders must lead that business. A couple of years, three years, four. Leaders must lead was formed in 2016 yeah. after I was offered my third promotion at the, at the, in, in five years at the corporate job that I was working right. at running retail stores. Yeah. And that's how, and that's when I stepped out and jumped off the cliff and did it. Okay. Mazel tov, as they say. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So that's, that's what I was going to say is that um, you had a very interesting growth spurt in your retail business. Okay. You were in retail for many years, four or five mm -hmm. years and did amazing things. Um, I think it was airport 
uh, stores. Across. The last five years, yes. Yeah. Uh, before, yeah, before that, it was other things. Um, and then went out on your own to do the leaders, leaders must lead. But you, I thought was fascinating about you is that um, the kind of people that you were working with in the airport um, uh, stores um, across, like you had to motivate and inspire these people to be the best that they could be to build your numbers and all of the things that you, you actually were building them up as, as people, right? I mean, as just from, from our, I just remembering little bits of our conversation that we had um, before Christmas and how, um, you know, I forget, you told me a story about some, about uh, the product, the lack of productivity or uh, efficiency in putting new things on the wall. Do you remember that? Oh, there was a, well, there was a delegation standpoint that we talked, I think we shared a That's story about, yes. about, about the importance of yes. delegation. Tell me that story. Cause it's brilliant because it's, it, there's so many messages in there. So first I, I would say that as a leader in any component, and I, I, I believe we're all leaders, whether we, whether we choose to accept it or not, every person is a leader. It's just whether we're good at it and choose to get better at it or not. Mm. We're people around us, the people next to us, the people with us. And in any form of leadership, people matter most. So focusing upon helping people to grow and develop is important. There are also practical pieces of leadership, practical skills that come in. One of those is the understanding and of the importance of delegating, of not doing, of getting people doing the right things. And I, when I started in airport retail at the, uh, at the location that I was at, we had a number of things that I, I observed maybe weren't being done, weren't being done by the right people. Right. And I, I needed to get them done by the right people because it was costing us money. One of them was that we would reset the stores all the time. And we, we did this with what was called a planogram. Think of it like a picture of what goes on a four foot on a four foot wide section of a wall. And I walked into a store and I found that one of my assistant managers who was a highly paid assistant manager was sitting there and putting the planogram together. So they're literally putting product on the wall to match a picture. And I said, Hey, are you training somebody? They said, they said, no. I said, well, why are you doing this? I noticed the cashier over here who's a, who's an entry level associate is they're just standing there. And they said, Oh, because I can't trust them to do it. I can't, I can't have them do it. And I, I recognized that there was a flaw in this understanding. After having had this conversation with several assistant managers at our next meeting, I <laughs> delivered the message that would frustrate them greatly at that moment, but save us hundreds of thousands of dollars over the years, which was, I, I walked in and I said, all right, guys, here we are here. Here's the new rule. 30 days for, as of 30 days from now, you're no longer allowed to set a planogram ever. And they looked at me like I was joking. And I said, no, I am not <laughs> joking. <laughs> this, this is a tough message, but this is, this is how it's going to be. You're no longer going to be doing planograms. And they said, oh my gosh, there's no way. There's no way we can do that because they'd been doing it forever, right? And I think leaders today do this a lot with different tasks. We say, there's this thing. I've been doing it forever. The other people can't do it. They get it wrong. I do it better than them. I encounter this with my clients all the time. So, I asked, I started asking them questions and I find that's one of the best ways to get to the source of an issue is just ask better questions. Mm -hmm. I said, how long would it take you to set one of these walls? And they said, two hours. I said, okay, 
How long would it take you to explain to that entry-level associate how to set a wall? They said, 15 minutes. <laughs> and I said, great, then go explain it to them. They said, oh, but they'll get it all wrong. They'll get it, they won't do it right. Any of you who are listening, this feels familiar, having nothing to do with retail, I guarantee it. Exactly, yeah. Right? So I, they said, oh, yeah, they'll only get it 10% right. And I thought that was ridiculous. Somebody can follow a picture better than 10% on the first try, but fine, I'll go with it. <laughs> so you explain it again. That's another 15 minutes. Oh, well, now they'll get it 30% right. I'm like, wow, we really must not have the people we need. <laughs> and then they, they said, well, explain it again. Now it's 50%. Then it's 80. Then it's 100. And finally, we got, we got done, and, and it, it, they agreed that they would need to explain it six times before this one wall was right. Wow. And I said, all right, well, what about the next wall? Oh, well, it's still going to have to explain it twice. I said, okay, so now you've explained it eight times and they've done it. Now the key is you don't do it for them. You don't fix it. You get them to do it. Now they do it. Now you've spent how much time and they paused and they added it up and they said two hours. <laughs> And I said, wait a minute, so you spent two hours, maybe over the period of a few days and going back and forth in a way you wouldn't like, but you spent two hours and you now have someone who is not only capable of doing the job and doing it well, but of actually training someone else to do it also, so you've replicated that complete piece out. And that's the lesson, when I train delegation to my, to my coaching clients, that is one of the primary examples that I use. We had it in some other ways as well, but is that, uh, that what you were looking for? Yeah, that story has so many lessons in it. It's uh, that it's, thank you. Yes, it was. I mean, I struggle with that because I'm a control freak. So I struggle with letting go of things too. And I know there are things that, that in, you know, being a solopreneur that I need to do to delegate. I need, there are certain things I need to delegate so that my time is better spent growing my business. Well, and here's a, here's a good rule. And I, I apologize for interrupting, but I think this is an important thought to add on. When you are thinking about your business and you're thinking about even just what you do in your daily life, the simple rule should be this. Delegate everything to the lowest possible level that it can be done at, period. This isn't for debate. So if you have a group of people in your life and you ask, can this be done at, and I always start at whatever the lowest level is, the, the, the least costly level. Can it be done there? If the answer is yes, then your job isn't to do that. It is to, it is to empower them and train them to where they can do that so it comes off your plate or you'll never do the value things you need to be doing. Great advice for entrepreneurs for sure. And people that listen to my podcast, lots of them uh, are entrepreneurs. So yes, absolutely. Great advice. It's just, it's so hard to let go. It is. And we also think we don't have people, but there are virtual assistants out there. That's how I started working with virtual assistants is my coach used a version of this example right back at me. He, he said, I said, I'm not going to use a virtual assistant. This was several years ago now. And he said, really, what's the first task you would have them do? And I named this task that had to do with social media. He said, how long would that take you? I said, about three hours. He said, how long would it take them? I said, about an hour. He said, how much would it cost you? He said, I said about $10. And he just bought, and I knew I was in trouble like two questions in, right? Like the second he started asking me questions, I knew that, I knew that this was going a bad place for me or really what would be a good place. And, and, he, looked at, and he, he looked at me and he said, so what you're telling me is that if you freed up three hours, you couldn't generate $10 for your business? 
<laughs> and from that moment, I've had a virtual assistant. <laughs> yeah, there's a great lesson there for sure. Totally. And um, I think it goes deeper than that, though, too, right? It goes mm -hmm. to um, uh, the confidence you have in yourself. For in, sure. In being able to, uh, yeah, meet and, uh, and uh, exceed those things things that you would need to do to warrant you having um, somebody else do it, right? There's that fear of the unknown. There's that fear of growing, adding someone else, you know, to. There's also an ego, right? There's an ego issue. Society tells us we shouldn't have someone else cut our lawn. But, it, but once you get to a certain point in your career, it's literally a financial negative for you to cut your lawn rather than pay someone to do it. And the same is true for a virtual assistant. So we get our, we get a little bit of our own ego in our way. So we have this fear and then we also have the fear of what other people would think. And then we have our, our own ego about, well, how do I feel? Why am, am I, should I give this kind of thing up? Is it okay? So the, the one example that, that I have no problem at all doing is giving up housework and having someone <laughs> clean my house. So that has never been an issue for me, but doing the other has. That's interesting. Yeah. And, it, and, it's, and it's interesting because for most people, giving up the housework is really hard, even if they hate it, because they feel guilty or the societal pressure or yeah. this, oh, well, does that make me like, do be, does it make it look like I think I'm better than other people? And the answer is, the answer is no. It's, it is simply a clear return on investment trade. Exactly. And, and it's funny because when you talk to women who uh, are in business for themselves. That's one of the very first things when you ask them, what would you like to, you know, delegate? That's usually one of the first things that they'll say. And, and yeah. In my experience, it's one of the first things they'll say and one of the last things they'll do. Unless they're Jewish princess. <laughs> I can't speak for that, but, uh, but <laughs> I, I, only I it's, say that because, okay. Yeah. Right. I have, uh, I, many, the majority of my clients, as it turns out, are women. And so I work through these issues and these, these self-doubt issues and fear issues a lot with my, with my women entrepreneur clients. And I, and I get it. And it's certainly not exclusive to them, but it presents more openly in them. Mm -hmm. Okay. So talk to me a little bit about, um, uh, so you work with entrepreneurs, you work with a lot of people in the music, uh, genre field of, of different types, uh, from musicians to management, uh, people in there. Um, do you do mostly one-on-one -on -one coaching? Do you do group coaching? You have, I know you have a mastermind group. So <laughs> many different things, right? Many, many different things. And my, when I, what I like to say about my, my target audience, when I aim outwards, so think of it, if I'm going to, if I'm going to spend money to aim outward, I think it's important to have a niche and understand who you resonate with the most. Mm -hmm. And that ends up being for me, after a long time of sorting it out, it ends up being three groups that all hear the same voice and all have a lot of the same need. It's creatives. So think musicians, artists, gamers, people like that, people who like that, and authors, all everybody in that world that are that are capital C creatives. It is women entrepreneurs and it is people in the LGBTQ community. And 
a lot of the reason is because those are three groups that are very often overlooked in the coaching world and in this and in the support and tools and business world. And there are also three groups that tend to hear the same voice. And so that's, that's become a lot of what I'll do reaching out. When people come to me, I help almost anyone because I've worked a, a pretty wide in a pretty wide variety of environments, managing teams of thousands. So I can do corporate work or, right. or whatever it may be. How I help them, I do one-on-one -on -one coaching, and that is that has been in the first couple of years of my business probably the the largest component. By the end of this year, it will move from what was once eighty percent of my business to probably fifteen or twenty percent of my business as the online learning portions, which comprise the mastermind and online classes like Foundations of Success that we offer, and then our events that, that we host and our speaking opportunities and affiliate revenue, all of those things come into play as well. Mostly I look for how people need to be met and try to meet them there. So um, I noticed your, uh, I think it was on your website I saw, and it might've been your uh, foundations piece, I don't know, the 4S method that you teach? Right. Yeah, the 4S method is something that it developed, and this is, this is maybe a good lesson for everybody in the audience, is it's one that I learned late and hard, <laughs> is that we need to be able to say our why, our what, and our how in a very clear, concise manner. As you know, I like to talk. Concise isn't always my favorite form. Mm -hmm. When we start doing interviews for press or podcasts or otherwise, We've got to have those, those quick ways that we can say, here's what I do. I'm, I don't, I'm not just talking about an elevator pitch, but more someone says, why do you do what you do? Well, I'm, I'm looking to inspire creative, a million creatives and entrepreneurs around the world to inspire generational change and to inspire generational change. We're looking to do that. Great. Well, what do you do? Well, I help creatives and entrepreneurs to create and grow profit and understand that dreams are real. And then someone said, how do you do that? And I gave a five-minute answer. <laughs> and I knew that I was in trouble because we were getting ready for a press interview. And we all sat there for a little bit. And thankfully, the team that I was with while we were in Asia, we were sitting there in Asia in Manila in a living room of a, of a penthouse and talking about it and saying, all right, Dan, now tell us how you do that and let's figure it out, how we can say it the right way. And that started me on a path to being able to recognize here are the four steps for how I help people. As it turns out, it's also the four steps people use to solve problems, and it does, it does a nice job of alternating knowledge and motion. So the four S's are to shift your lens. I believe 70% of what we do is seeing something differently and connecting with it in that way, shifting our, our lenses to where we see, the, see differently than we, thought we, than we thought we might. Secondly, is to solidify the skills. Once we see it differently, now we know what skills we need to learn, grow, adapt, build to be able to get where we're going. And that's, that's that movement, that doing part. And then we step back and say, now that I've built some skills, I need to strategize my steps. I need to figure out where do I go and how do I apply this strategically to get the best impact. And then finally, the, the last S in, is in its own way the most important is to start moving and actually go do it, not get caught in thinking about stuff for too long. It's, see, that's your ability to synthesize and make things um, seem so simple, to be honest, even though you found out the hard way that, that 
it took you too long to describe it. Now you've synthesized it basically and organized it and it makes sense. And, and yeah, it makes me want to talk offline about it a little bit further. <laughs> uh, we, we certainly can do that. And I, and, and, one of the things that I've recognized is that f how to find your North Star and how to fill out, how to figure out your why, what, and how statements are so important. It's one of the most popular talks that I give when I speak. It is one of the most popular trainings I give. In fact, in our in our podcast group, I, I believe it's still currently listed as the free giveaway training that that we're giving to everyone as a just a forty minute version of of how to do that. And it the reason is that everyone that I meet needs to be able to answer those questions in their life. What is your North Star? Where are you truly heading? Not, not a constellation, not a, not, a, not a group of stars, but one star. Where are you headed? And then what gets you there the fastest, the furthest is answered by your why, your what, and your how. This is really, really good information. And um, I do hope that my audience sees that and goes to uh, check you out a little bit further. And so to that mind, first of all, where would they find you? And I will put it in the show notes, but how can people find you, Dan? They can find me in a lot of different places. A couple of the easiest are leadersmustlead.com. They'll find out all sorts of information about me there. And then I'm on Facebook, Instagram, everywhere as Leaders Must Lead. But the, the second place that I would encourage them to check out is actually our podcast group, Dreams Are Real podcast group on Facebook. Come there, connect, and I'm, I'm certainly glad to connect on LinkedIn or anywhere else, but that the Dreams Are Real podcast group is important and is, is a growing community with a lot of energy, and I, I love the opportunity to hear about people's dreams and learn what they're pursuing in the world. So that's your Facebook group? It is. You said podcast. it's also the podcast, but yes. it's the Facebook group that supports oh, the podcast. Got it. Okay, that that makes sense. All right. And so the, of course, check out the podcast. That that's yes, a no brainer. Absolutely. I encourage people to do that. Absolutely. Um, so one last thing uh, that I would like to ask you, and and I think it's what's the most important message that you want to leave with my listeners. I think I have to go there. And it can be anything. It can be your day-to-day -day work. It can be, I know you're involved in some great, um, uh, right. Can I, can, can I have an opportunity to over deliver here? Because there are thinking of your audience and our conversation today, there are, there are three things that I think they're, they're sure each short, but they, they Absolutely. each matter and they'll each grab a different group. So it. the first is this, I, I've learned over time that I am living proof of a very particular statement and it's really my statement of the year for 2019 and it, and it is this, that, that our environment, the people that we are around, the places we are, may exert influence, but it's our choices that truly create change. I'm living proof that, that out of any crazy, ridiculous situation, if you make choices, you can create change in your life. And I would encourage you to be inspired by that. Related to that is the second, which is that dreams are real, that you, whatever you, whatever situation you find yourself living in, whatever you feel that society has kind of brought you up to be or tells you about, oh, that that's just a hobby or that's just, that's something that can that be a real living or whatever doubts people may express that if you 
pursue it and you do so strategically, not only are dreams real, but you can actually make money doing something within the world of your dreams. I like to say that the mission in life should be to do everything you can to help other people win. And that if you do everything you can to help other people win and you do it with strategy, that money is actually the natural outflow. That's the conduit where I help people in many cases. Mm-hmm. And the third is a little bit more serious of a of a leave, but I, I think a great one to leave everyone on. I have spoken out pretty frequently about the fact that I've struggled with anxiety and depression in my life and that leaders should not be embarrassed by this, but rather empowered to speak out about overcoming the challenges of anxiety and depression. I've been deeply touched in my personal life by suicide. And recently we have started a group and we're starting a nonprofit called Light from Darkness. And the message that I that I leave with each of you is this, that I have been as deep in the darkness as almost anyone has ever been. I have been to the edge. I've been to the point of wanting to take my own life and planning it and going to do it. And the thing I, the single thing I am most grateful for in this world is that I chose not to and that I am here and that I can sit here and say that I had no perspective in that moment and I had no way to have perspective in that moment. It's okay that I didn't, but I didn't have any. And now looking back with perspective, I can say that there truly is light through the darkness. And there are hundreds and thousands of people that prove that every day and that you should be connected to this idea that there is light from the darkness and maintain that focus to allow you to go forward and know that dreams are real and your choices truly do create change. What else can I say? That was just brilliant and and I thank you for that because it all makes sense and if we touch one person from that little thing that you just said at the end we've done something amazing so please I encourage you when you listen to this podcast to share it with other people because there's a big message there at the end and, and I do hope that um, we hear from um, from you with a review and don't forget to subscribe to relationships rule and remember to stay connected and be remembered thank you so much for listening to the podcast today if this show has inspired you to reach out to connect to someone new or nurture a current or past relationship and you think that others can benefit from listening please share this episode If you have feedback or questions about the episode, please leave a note in the comment sections below. If you would like to receive automatic updates of new podcast episodes, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or from the podcast app on your mobile device. Ratings and reviews from my listeners are extremely valuable to me and greatly appreciated. They help the podcast rank higher on iTunes, which exposes my show to more awesome listeners like you. So if you have a minute, please leave an honest review on iTunes and remember to stay connected and be remembered.